Welcome to the Fit Money Podcast, where we'll discuss something we all need through our entire life, financial literacy, but also asking the tough question, why aren't students learning it? Financial literacy is more than the math and a behavior we'll need beyond the classroom. So we're learning how we can help students, families, and teachers build a new generation of financially fit students everywhere. On today's episode, Fit Money Executive Director Jessica Pelletier chats with Taylor Sons on his financial literacy journey from school to Wall Street and then co-founding his own company, Life Goal Investments, to provide investment services and opportunities for everybody. Together, they discuss how financial education looks today in a digital world, how we can find trustworthy financial resources, and what young adults and students should know as they embark on journeys of their own. Hi, Taylor. Great to see you today. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much, Jessica. Let's do it. Yeah, I have so many things to ask you, so I almost don't even know where to start. But I want to start by hearing a little bit about you and how you got interested in the finance business. Yeah, it's interesting. So I grew up in this little one red light town, literally one red light, blue collar, right? So uh, came from kind of a working class background, but I went to school just outside of Manhattan at Mm -hmm. Iona University, and I did an undergrad and grad degree there in finance. And so that was kind of my start in the financial world. And then from there, I went right to work on Wall Street. And uh, it was eye-opening. I grew up in a one red light town. So it was a different world. Big change. Yeah, no doubt about it. But super fun. And it's something that I love because it changes every day. It never gets boring when you're talking about finance, when you're talking about investing. The markets are moving, they're global, and you got to keep track of, of what's going on. So that makes it so much fun. And, and what's your advice for doing just that? Because like you say, it does seem to change uh, every day. There's obviously real foundational principles around personal finance, certainly as for your individual making decisions around how to manage your household, but the external things that we cannot control, you know, things that are happening with banks, things are happening with inflation, you know, what's your advice for how to keep up on that? Yeah, I think to start out, you made a great point there. The foundation is you and your family Mm -hmm. and your own needs. So I always advise people right out of the gates is create a game plan. And people always think, okay, that's a mental game plan. No, 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 no. (laughs) Write down your game plan. And that's a way to stick to what your goals are, your foundation, and make sure that you're always going in the direction of where you stated you wanted to go. And it's not to say you can't amend your goals along the way as life changes, but you need to have that foundational bedrock of something written down, your literal game plan that you're trying to achieve over time, because that's what you have to focus on. The external forces are going to happen. And it's not to say that you're going to close your eyes and not pay attention to them. But at the same time, you can't control those. You can control your inputs. So get them written down, stay focused on them, and then deal with the outside forces as they come. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, really trying to kind of do your homework. But uh, this pivots a little bit to kind of what you do for a living now. You said you started on Wall Street. So probably kind of threw yourself in the deep end right away, uh, sink or swim, right? But you've, you've transitioned a little bit uh, in a different way. I'd love to hear about how you came up with this idea for your company. Yeah, thanks so much. So just to take it back to, to what I did on Wall Street, my role was what they called an advisor consultant. So what I would do is travel throughout the nation and work with financial advisors, and they would bring me in to work with them and their largest clients. 
So sometimes I'd be sitting down across the table from someone that has 50 to a hundred million dollars. And I'm sitting there in charge of helping them spot the weaknesses they may have in their investment portfolio. And so that was fun. It was awesome. I got to see the country. I got to deal with folks that I never would have interacted with, hear all their amazing stories about how they built their businesses and all their success, which was super cool. But at the end of the day, I did that for about 11 years. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I said like, Taylor, are these people going to be all right without you? Probably, right? They've got $50 million. It doesn't matter what they do with it. They're going to be all right. And I said to myself and my brother, who's my, my, the founding partner in Life Goal Investments, we said like, who's helping out the folks that we grew up with, right? Mm-hmm. Who's giving them the financial expertise and the authenticity with the education behind it? And the, 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 the harsh truth of that is, is there really isn't anybody. And it's no one's fault. But as you look at things from a financial advisor's perspective, they need to work with clients that have significant assets because they make a percentage of that. Right. And so if you're working with someone that has $100,000, 1% only $1,000. And then you split that with your firm, you're <laughs> making $500 a year. And it's a lot of work. But right. if you're working with someone with $10 million, it's that same 1% and it's a much bigger pot. So they just kind of orphan those folks that don't have that significant wealth. So we said, okay, listen, what we did for these ultra rich clients, now with the advent of technology and the ETF, the exchange traded vehicle, the exchange traded fund vehicle, we can package the exact same product we built for them and put it at $10 a share on Robinhood, on Fidelity, on Charles Schwab, on any brokerage platform when someone can access something and they can have that same well-rounded, all-weather tire portfolio we created for those rich people and start out with $10. What a great notion. And, and, and it touches my, my soul a bit on kind of what we do here at Fit Money, which is financial literacy starting at the youngest age possible. And so I'm going to guess that, you know, look, there's a lot of people, even the $100 million wealthy clients don't understand a lot of personal finance, you know, sure. uh, individually. But, but really kind of the core of our country, you know, the people who are really making it work every day, um, they're not getting financial literacy education. Uh, right. And so they probably look to your services and, and need your help, you know, even more because our schools are, are really kind of not getting with the program on this. So do you include that education component uh, when you're talking to them? Yeah. So, so the education component almost comes kind of sidecar. So what we do that is we do it on social media. So every single day I put out one, two, three videos. And when things are more hectic in the markets, I'm putting out more and more videos to help people understand and digest in layman's terms what it is that's going on in the economy. You know, the banks have been a massive issue here in recent Mm -hmm. past. What the heck is going on there? I think your average person couldn't give you a concise story as to what's causing them the stress that they're seeing right now and what maybe some spillover effects of that may be. And so that's what we try to do is break topics down like that in a tangible, digestible way so the layman can understand what it is that's going on in the environment around them. I love that. That's definitely one of the topics I want to want to talk about. So we'll transition yeah, there. I the numbers are staggering with where people are getting their news on online. I think seventy percent right. or more are getting their news from social media. Um, and I've seen your, you know, I've seen your reels, and believe me, I learn something every single day. <laughs> um, but how do you how do you pick those topics? And 
obviously you've got a lot of institutional knowledge in your head, but do you, do you find that you're having to research some even on your own, right? Oh, no doubt. So I have kind of the general foundational understanding of, of most things that are playing out, but what I try to do, and, and hopefully you've recognized this as someone that's viewed our stuff is I try to stick to data and facts. You know, I think there's too much conjecture and narrative being created in the markets. And, and what I try to do is say, okay, I'm going to take all of that weeded out and stick to the facts of what's going on here and try to explain them in a way that anybody can digest. I don't want them to have my opinion. I may give an opinion, but it's going to be backed into by facts and data. And the, hopefully the opinion at the end of the day that I provide is something that's logical, that is a direct result of the numbers that I've said, uh, that I've you know mentioned in that given topic. So tell me about your target audience. Um, are you, are you, you know, the average, you know, kind of midlife career professional? Do you, or do you think you're even talking to some teens out there? You know what? It's funny. So uh, the interesting thing is Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, they give you demographic information. And so I always been under the impression, I, so full disclosure, I didn't have a social media account. So I, I, I've never had a social media account before. In my I'm, life. With you, <laughs> I'm with you, Taylor. <laughs> so, well, I, I shouldn't say that. I had Facebook when I was in college, um, but that was my you know only experience when it came to social media. So a year and a half ago, when we started this journey with Life Goal Investments, I had to learn what Instagram was, what TikTok was, and how they worked. Um, but I thought in my own naive mental interpretation of what they were is that it's super young. Everyone's, you know, a teenager on there. And quite the contrary is what we found out because we have all the demographic information. Most, the bulk of people that we speak to, our followership, which is about 120,000 on TikTok, about 100,000 on Instagram, are 25 to 45 years old. And it actually skews higher from there. So the tail is larger on the older end than it is on the younger end. It's not to say that we don't have teenagers on there. We absolutely do. But the bulk of it is in that kind of 25 to 45-year-old ballpark. And I think that's when people kind of start to hit that realization of, I need to know what's going on because this is really, really affecting my life on a day-to-day basis. You know, inflation's crazy and inflation's been crazy for over a year now. So people are saying, why are we seeing this inflation that's playing out right now? And on the other end, like, why is the Federal Reserve raising rates higher and making mortgages more expensive on me and my spouse or my family or whatever it is? What do they have something against me? And, and, and the obvious answer there is no, but you have to understand the foundational principles of what the Federal Reserve does in order to control inflation. And that comes with higher mortgage rates, et cetera. Right, exactly. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on what I know what my answer is, but what is your answer to how we can get that 25-year-old better educated at a much earlier age? Because you're right, it's, you know, we probably both share the same sentiment. Financial literacy is behavioral. You know, there's definitely facts and data, and I love that you said that. But making tough choices, we all know needs and wants, you know, needs come first, which means sometimes you're not going to get to that second bucket. Right. Um, that's that's learning behavioral de- decision making, which you can't really do in your 30s. Right. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, how do we get to that younger age? So one of the partners uh, on your guys' Fit Money board is is Chad Copeland and Brand Co- Brandon Copeland's obviously his brother. And I heard him speak and I actually took a couple things away from him because he was talking about speaking to his three-year-old 
And I'm like, man, you know what? I'm not speaking to my three-year-old about financial stuff yet, but it's it, it, he makes things so tangible, which is his absolute strength. And he said, listen, when you go to the grocery store, you have to help them understand the difference between a want and a need. They want the candy, right? And we get that, but they need the beef or the protein, whatever it is that helps their system literally survive and thrive physiologically. And so it was just such an eye-opener to me that like, I can take this down to even the simplest level for my daughter, Hunter, who's three years old, mm -hmm. to help understand the wants and the needs. And then as you get older and more of the investing side of things, when you start to break into that world, that kind of psychological game is, is still very much so there. And it's innate to us as human beings. So it goes back to you know, I'm not going to creation and Darwinism, but think about, you know, Darwinism, if you will, you know, survival of the fittest and survival of the fittest comes with the mentality of fight or flight mm -hmm. and fight or flight are the two options when you get met with a threat. And when you get met with the threat in the markets, it means things are selling off and you can't fight the market. So right. people bail out, right? They fly, they flight out of it in the times that are stressful and tough in 2022. And that's just obviously the opposite of what you want to do. And you have to train your mind to think differently. And it's counterintuitive to how you're hardwired as a human being. And that's something that people have to grasp and learn over time. And it takes people, unfortunately, getting lumped up in some tough times and taking a beating, which is why it's so important to start out young when your dollar amounts aren't nearly as high. If you take a 30% haircut and you've only got $1,000 invested, Granted, it's still 30% and it's $300 and it hurts like all get out. But if it's a million dollars, that's $300,000 and that's life-changing money. Right. And I love the idea of kind of that experiential learning, you know, and, and start when you're, when you're in a safe, a safe space. You know, Fit Correct. Money is a partner with this amazing program that lets kind of middle school and high schoolers make a budget uh, with, you know, their their fake 25 year old salary. And, sure. and it's, and it's amazing. The, the comments that we hear it's one, which is my favorite as a parent is I never knew how hard this was for my parents, <laughs> which is great. It's like, yes, uh, I appreciate that. Right. Um, but it is, you know, I, I didn't realize how expensive rent was. And after you uh, count in for food and, and even the fun things in life, because look, no financial advisor out there is going to tell you, you can't have fun. You can't have a want. Right. Um, and so that's so rewarding because like you say, they're not playing with their retirement money or, or playing with their, you know, you know, their money. For and I school. can't imagine how eye opening it would have been to me in high school when I realized my hundred dollar paycheck got cut <laughs> my $30 right out of the gates due <laughs> right. to taxes. Like, well, right. hold on. I thought I had made that money. Where did right. it just go? Where did right? that, well, go? <laughs> that road that's paved outside, like th that gets paved, you know, there's money behind that. So on exactly. So forth. So, Oh, yeah. it, it, is, it is so rewarding. I mean, we work with kids, you know, starting as, as young as, you know, four and five. And, and you're right, there is age appropriate lessons. You know, I'm sure you wouldn't take out your, you know, 401k statement with your daughter and say, well, let me explain this to you. But that's not what she needs right now. She just needs right. that understanding of certainly the time value of, of money. You know, you, you raise another great point when the when the markets get tough, the last thing you want to see is people exiting because then they've lost all that potential gain and it'll yep. come back. It always has. Yep. Um, yep. But, but yeah, I, I love that, um, that thought. Speaking of, of the markets, you know, what are you telling people these days when they probably are maybe a little nervous to, to get in the markets? 
Oh, it's a super nerve wracking time. I mean, you think about, you know, the banks right now having question marks as a, as, as to, you know, are these guys going to be solvent going forward? Is my money safe at a bank? So on and so forth. So it's a very nerve wracking time. Um, the economy is slowing. There's, there's no way, you know, to look around that. That's the hard facts. And that's a function of, again, inflation got away from us and the Fed had to raise interest rates. And when the Fed raises interest rates, it brings down economic growth. And so how do you invest in the face of that? And I think the biggest lesson, the biggest takeaway here is you have to think about protection of capital as well, not just mm-hmm. growth of capital. You know, mm-hmm. when, when the economy's booming like it was in 2021, it was all about growth and how do I capture that growth and upside? But then the other side of the business cycle comes and it comes with a constraining economic environment. And there are other pieces to the puzzle that we preach about things like bonds. Bonds have historically held up extremely well during a recession. They actually do better than their long-term average. And in a recession, stocks don't do well. So that's what you refer to as negative correlating assets. You want things that have different roles inside your portfolio at all times. I always say to people like, listen, you know, if you could have one car, what would you have? And they always come up with answers like, oh, I'd love a Ferrari. Okay. (laughs) Would you love a Ferrari if it was your only car and you lived in Alaska? Right. No, no, you wouldn't. You would rather have a truck or something like that. And like, maybe you want both ideally to do different things that are fun at different times. But again, you need to serve your needs first and foremost. And it's all about having that diversification inside a portfolio as a whole. It's so clear. You love what you do. Um, talk to the, you know, the, the middle schooler or early high schooler who's thinking about, you know, I want to, I want to do what, you know, Taylor does. I want to get into finance, you know, obviously there's lots of different paths. You took, you took a, again, right into the deep end, you know, talk about some ideas on how you might advise a, a, a student who's looking to get into this. First of all, do it. Like it is a ton of fun. Like I can't be, as, as you say, I'm passionate about it because I have a ton of fun doing it. Um, you know, tech is the big craze right now and everyone mm-hmm. wants to be involved in the tech industry and, and that's great. But um, I think one thing you have to realize when it comes to finances, it can be very rewarding in many different ways. Mm-hmm. So the rewarding aspect is when you help someone improve their life at the end of the day. Because everybody at their fundamental core needs to have some sort of wealth to live a successful life. And if you can help them attain that goal or attain it more quickly, all the power to you. And at the end of the day, I would say the second notion is, is like, it's also a very rewarding job from a monetary standpoint. You know, you think about Wall Street, people make a lot of money. So it isn't that it's easy. It is stressful, but it is something that constantly keeps you on your toes. So if you're like me, someone who wants to see constant change going on and have to stay on my toes and stay in front of things and be challenged all the time. This is the best industry to be in, in my opinion, bar none. Oh, well, I can tell. I can tell you're so enthusiastic. And I agree. We say the same thing, you know, being in education, especially doing financial literacy, there is not a person on the planet who doesn't have some type of relationship with money. I mean, Good, bad, or ugly, right? But right. it's a relationship and it starts earlier and earlier. You know, your three-year-old probably already understands, you know, what that gift card looks like or how things she, just she, she still can't concept the fact that a dollar bill is better than a quarter, though. That that one's above her at this point. <laughs> I know. They're much dirtier. <laughs> I know. Well, mine are still, I'm trying to get them to understand that when packages miraculously arrive on the front step, that yes, mom actually did pay for them somehow. <laughs> Amazon isn't just my friend, although That's I would like that to be the case. But it is. It's just, 
it's starting that understanding of those basics that's so important because, you know, it's just like the the kids who want to jump right to the NFL or right into the NBA, you know, or go, I was, I started ballet and thought I'd be on point in a week, but you got to start with the basics, you know, sure. because um, you, you can't get to kind of what you're doing without the responsible borrowing and budgeting and saving for the long term. And, and uh, that is such a rewarding, a rewarding opportunity. The other thing I would say to folks is regardless whether you, when I say folks, I mean, uh, kids is like, make friends with people that you want to associate with that you, that you want to emulate your life after. So if you're 14 years old and your friend's father does something that you want to do, like mm-hmm. ask him questions. It's the mm-hmm. best way to learn quickly firsthand knowledge. I love it. We are absolutely going to put your handles uh, in our in our episode notes uh, because there's a lot, as we've said, there's a lot on social that is not necessarily trustworthy. But I can honestly say, uh, I still can't figure out how you kind of walk and and emote at the same time. Uh, but your <laughs> your your reels are so helpful, so educational. Um, so I'm hoping that our our listeners will you know give you a follow and and pay attention to what you're saying. And uh, thank you so much for for coming on today. I really appreciate it. It was an absolute pleasure on my end. Thank you so much, Jessica. Thank you for joining us today on the Fit Money Podcast. Whether you're a caregiver, teacher, or student yourself, there's plenty of great K-12 resources to begin or continue your financial literacy journey at fitmoney.org. Visit the show notes for more from today's guests and financial literacy activities for the classroom, at home, or on the go. We'll see you next time. And until then, happy learning, earning, and saving. The Fit Money Podcast is presented by Fit Money, the leading K-12 financial literacy curriculum, providing free, unbiased financial literacy resources. All opinions, products, and references during the show are not endorsed by Fit Money and are solely opinions of the individual. Fit Money does not claim any responsibility for external resources referenced during the episode. All Fit Money products and episodes are provided for educational purposes and are not professional advice.